yourself and your son Jesus Christ our Lord our Savior and Lord Jesus we thank you for your precious life your horrific death on the cross your resurrection ascension and your intercession for us and we pray that tonight Lord God you'd be glorified through Jesus in our testimony and in our worship and in our fellowship together and we just thank you so much for allowing us to be together tonight in a free country Lord and we just uh, praise you for everything in Jesus name amen yeah. all right well I'll give it to Tom and uh, I don't know if you're if you're taking any questions but um, uh, each question is 495 so uh, we're going to, uh, is that for the right answer it doesn't make any difference <laughs> well I I remember uh, this was a couple of years back, Steve did a study on faith, and the first thing I thought when he introduced the subject was, if you want to think about where your faith is, just think about what he's seen you through. I know when I look back and I've seen how he's delivered me in and out of things, um, 
protected me, provided for me, um, loved me. Uh, I, I, I can't let my faith falter, you know. Um, I would like to preface things tonight by mentioning uh, that message. And one from Bill Gallagher, I know we all know Bill Gallagher, he's been sharing his time here. He uh, gave a message about a month ago on uh, how we respond under pain and trial and testing. And uh, do you shake your fist at God and disconnect? Or do you, by faith, trust that it's all according to his good will and purpose? Um, and it is. Because when you come out the other side, you find out what you learned, what you processed in your life. It's just for you. And you, you grow in faith. Um, everything in this testimony uh, I'm about to give is relative to his good purpose, the challenges, the process, the outcome. <clears throat> there are still some challenges, but since the beginning I have prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. I didn't understand my diagnosis. It was uh, acute myeloid leukemia. I probably had about a year. Uh, started with uh, running out of breath, going to the mailbox. I knew something was wrong. Uh, went to my primary care doctor. They did labs. And I got a call from his assistant at 6 o'clock at night. He said, your hemoglobin's 5.9 out of 15. You need a transfusion. I said, really? Like I understood that. Uh, he said, where do you want to go? I said, well, I worked at Roe for 19 years. He says, that where do you want to go? I said, I guess. I said, now? He said, yeah, get over there. So I threw a bunch of stuff in a bag and landed in Roe at, at night in the ER, 10 hours waiting and yeah. slept in the core, got a room the next morning. Um, How long ago was that, Tom? That was May 24th, 2021. I wanted to want to mention a verse that I that I clung to as, as this all first came to light for me, and it was, "I will rejoice in the shadow of His wings." Um, no matter what what I didn't understand, I knew that He did. Uh, again, that He purposed Himself, um, and I guess to a certain extent, we have to trust the medical profession that they know what they're doing. Uh, I will say that the oncology teams that I had. Both at OHSU and Rogue were are the most connected, compassionate, uh, caring people uh, in the medical field that I've ever met. I've, I've, I've bounced around between a lot of them since I worked at the hospital. But, uh, Can you tell us what that acute myeloid leukemia is? Well, it's cancer of the blood. Cancer uh, of the blood. And there are so many. There are so many. My brother, Dick Miller, has been suffering with it for 11, 12 years. I see him sometimes. I haven't seen him in a while. Um, but it's acute. I want to get back and connect with him. Uh, yeah, there's chronic, there's acute, there's hairy cell, there's uh, multiple myeloma, there's so many. It's, it's, the blood is made in the bone marrow and uh, that's where it starts. And uh, <laughs> 
since I've seen labs and the complexity of the blood, knowing that it flows through every part of our body, um, you, you think cancer of the blood, my gosh, it's, it's not a, a, a single organ, you're talking our system. Uh, but, uh, so for me, transplant was the only cure, um, and I'll talk about that as we go on. Uh, so I talked about some of this. Um, so at that point, after arriving at Rogue, I received a total of about eight units of blood while there. Uh, Dr. Saeed was a, a hospitalist. It's amazing how many of these doctors are from the Middle East uh, at RRMC. And he would come in the first night and say, um, See, your blood is, is concerning me. And then the next day he came in and he said, I have a kind of a greater cause for concern. Your blood's kind of going crazy. And again, I'm like, okay. Uh, so what does that mean and what do we do? Uh, then about the third or fourth day, there was Dr. Sarah Matar, a uh, Lebanese Muslim, who is now my oncologist at the Hyman Center. She's Sarah. wonderful. Yeah, she is. Um, Ah, uh, good, good. She's great. I love her. I love her. She's got a little girl now. Yeah, yeah. Ten pounder. Yes. She will chuck her. Yes. Yep, yep. She just delivered a baby. She was sad when she was on maternity leave because I like seeing her. Um, but there's a number of them. Sarah Lopez is great. Esther yeah, Sarah is great. Yeah, Sarah did two of my bone marrow biopsies. I had seven. Don't like them, but they got to do them, I guess. Um, but uh, Dr. Matar, I saw, well, they lifelighted me from R RRMC to uh, OHSU after five days. Um, I arrived with uh, bacterial pneumonia, uh, leukemia rash all of my back, back of my arms, and uh, the new diagnosis. And we had to fight the, the, the pneumonia in order to start chemo. So that was a battle with about five rounds of five antibiotics at a time that they would rotate through. Um, finally, we got it. Dr. Swords was an Irish, one of my Irish oncologists, the only Irish oncologist. And there was Dr. Saltz up there and uh, just a number of uh, great, great people. Was it painful, Tom? What's that? Was the, the treatment and the disease painful at this point? No, you know, I think God was really merciful there. The, the, the breathlessness was, was bad. Uh, energy is zero, you know, you get weak. Um, yeah, the pneumonia was a pain in the neck. Uh, they did a bronchoscopy. I had about three CT scans, five chest x-rays, coronary ultrasound. They really ran me through the mill. Finally, we got the, the pneumonia under control and I started chemo up there. Um, did, did two weeks and walked out with my wife to the car. Um, God's my rock, but my wife's been my super support person uh, through all of this. Um, so we got home and Dr. Matar says to me when I checked in at Hyman Center, uh, they told you have AML, right? And I said, yeah. She said, no transplant. And I heard that it was the only cure. Uh, I had to do a donor. 
I couldn't do an autogenic, I had to do an allergenic transplant, which is donor sourced, not the other one. Autogenic is when you can use your own cells. They sanitize them and put them back. And that works for some transplants. Um, so I didn't know what she meant when she said no transplant. But by the grace of God, I had worked with the director of infusion, Steve Archer, uh, during my time at the hospital, I supplied infusion with, we were in the storeroom, so we brought them their, their supplies, and I would talk with him. Um, and I mentioned transplant to him, and he said, oh, well, Dr. Maziars uh, comes down from OHSU, and he's the director of transplant up there. He does the Portland area, and Dr. Hayslatin does us down here. Um, so I had a virtual visit on my phone with uh, Dr. Swords, my Irish oncologist, who was from the same county as my grandfather, uh, County Mayo, and I told him that my grandfather was, was raised in Ballyhunas. And he said, oh, I was raised in a town about 25 miles from Ballyhunas. And I said, what do you know? So uh, I had the virtual with him, and he said, uh, I mentioned Dr. Maziar's. Uh, who is the director of transplants up there. And uh, he says, oh, Richard, you want, to, you want to see Richard? I'll give him your, your, your paper. He'll give you a call. I said, okay, because again, by the grace of God, by about my third infusion, I hit remission, um, which is a, a big goal. I mean, you know, either continue infusions on infinitum until they don't work anymore, uh, or you, you, you go into remission and, and be, it begins to take effect. Um, so then I was eligible for a transplant and the wheels started turning with that virtual and whatever happened up there. Next thing we know, we hear from Jolene Kemp, the scheduler, and uh, well, bottom line is within a year, uh, we were called back up for a transplant, but the waiting is tough, Kathy would, when are they going to call us? When are they going to call us? I said, honey, I don't know. You know, Be the Match is the international donor source. So they, they look for your best match after getting your blood work. And they have to get their blood work, go over their blood records. And um, it was a 20 year old female, God bless her, who, who, who donated for me. And um, so the chance of chronic graft versus host is what I have. And it's just, it's a secondary consequence of a transplant, which is a small price to pay for a second shot at life. There are some weird little symptoms, mouth sores and eye, eye burning and stuff, and I have dry eye anyway. Um, and the, the shortness of breath uh, is, is part of it too. So uh, there's some of that, but... Um, so we did finally get the call and uh, got up there, and <laughs> again, by the grace of God, my son's son, he lives in Beaverton. It was 30 minutes from OHSU, and we had to uh, travel to the waterfront, the Center for Health and Healing One and Two down there at Waterfront uh, for checks three, four times a week after the transplant, so it's a lot of follow-up, just constant blood labs and doctor visits, and. Um, 
but because my son's son was away at school in Indiana, we got his room and we set it up a little pantry, a laundry area. There was a table where if we had to isolate from the family and eat upstairs, we could. And uh, it just worked really well. Kathy drove me for every appointment, rain, shine, whatever. Um, she wouldn't take the freeway because of blind spots and the maniacs that drive up there. So we, we took the local downhill, windy, fern-laden road and beautiful views and houses up on stilts over a gorge on the left-hand side and all the ferns and trees on the right. You wind your way downhill, wrap around to, uh, to get finally down the hill to the Willamette River. I remember when uh, when I was lifelighted to, to the Kohler Tower, uh, I was on the 14th floor in room nine, and I woke up the next day, I looked out the window, and there's Mount Tabor, Mount Hood, the Willamette River below, the tram that goes all the way down to that, those waterfront buildings from the hospital, and a pine forest at my at my at the bottom of my window, and uh, people would walk in and say, I hope you're not paying for this view, and I said, yeah, I'm not too. <laughs> But, um, so I did start chemo up there and did get to walk out. Um, I should mention that had we not joined up for uh, Mercy Flights, it would have cost about $33,000 my transport. And again, by the grace of God, Kathy was inspired to, you know, maybe we should sign up for Mercy Flights. And that was only a couple of months before my diagnosis. I mean, you know, the hand of God was so through this thing for, for so much. Uh, it was just amazing. So we did, and, and I, I don't know, I think we paid $150 or something. But, um, yeah, and then in terms of the financial piece, when I was up there, there was a pharmacist, I never forget, it was a China guy, a Chinese guy, Jonathan. And he, uh, he came into the room as they were talking about chemo and some of the medications I need. And he said, you know, this stuff gets really expensive. And there are ways to uh, to get some assistance. Do you want me to fill out the forms? And you know, here you're being educated through this whole thing. I, I kiddingly say I'm, I'm an oncology apprentice because I, the, the knowledge you get from what you go through with this stuff is something you never expected, but you you want it because you want to know what's going on with you and to remember you know how to deal with the stuff. So Jonathan did that paperwork and. Uh, we were actually, we were granted 100% family assistance at OHSU, 100% family assistance at Rogue. I got two $10,000 grants, and I don't, it was God's leading to connect with Leukemia and Bone Society. I didn't even know how that happened. But those guys were so good. Two $10,000 grants and two pharmacy cards attached to each one, one to each one of those. For secondary coverage, some of the medicate one of the medications was four thousand dollars. He said, "My part after insurance was a thousand. And I said, "Well, I, I do have the secondary insurance. Oh, zero copay. Thank you, God. Um, so, how many treatments did you have? Just looking at my notes, see where I'm at. How many treatments of chemo did you have?" I had seven rounds, seven rounds, seven biopsies. Um, yeah. 
after that. That was on Bardesian, but then that collapsed. I don't know if you did. You do the veins or did you do the ports? I had ports all over. I had a, I had a yeah, swart yeah. port and I had a triple pick line for the. Uh, it's easier to run the veins as you do the port. I'm sorry? It's easier, they say, for the port to save oh. the veins. It's oh, it's a, a huge difference, and you know when yeah, I had the pick line first out of my arm, yeah. and you have to cover up for a shower. Uh, I had to get a sleep. It was such uh, so when they put the smart cord in, that's embedded. Yeah. You can just go ahead and shower. That was great. Then for the pick line, I had to cover up again. But that's for the transplant. They need three of them. Um, transplant took four hours. Six million platelets. Um, yeah, we have like 30 billion stem cells in our body, and each one is assigned to specific organic function. Um, and, you know, I, I love I love where where it says, you know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. His masterpiece, the work of his hands. Just looking at the blood alone, um, you know, anybody who believes in evolution, you got to be kidding me. Uh, the shoulder is the only part of the body that goes from bone to soft tissue for flexors back to bone again. You could look at the diagram of the shoulder and say, no salamander turned into that. <laughs> no way. Yeah. You know. Um, so I did walk out after the two weeks, first two weeks of the hospital, after my transplant, I'd let it roll me out. I was, I was pretty weak, and a lot happened after that. I was tri-heating, and uh, you know, there's some, they give you rejection medication, and, and stuff and um, the nice thing is that for every symptom there's an answer they have there's a medication or you know something you can do to, to help with it so um, that's by the grace of God too Looks like I'm almost all the way through my notes. So, Tom, um, COVID was still kind of going around at that time, wasn't it? That was amazing. Yeah, I mean, my immune system was down. Uh, I was at zero. I'm still low. I had to read through all my childhood vaccinations because the transplant takes them all away. So I'm in the process. I'm about probably three quarters of the way through with polio, pneumonia, hepatitis A and B, yada, yada, yada. I can't get measles, mumps, rubella because it's a live virus and I can't get shingles because you have to wait two years for that because for the medications I'm on, if, if it could fail and then insurance wouldn't cover it again because you had it. Yeah. So they say wait two years, get off the medication and then you can go ahead. Um, People, you, you never know. Um, she could have had a grandfather who had leukemia, and she vowed that she would help next time she, she heard about something. Um, people, it, it's hard to determine the motive why they would uh, go ahead and, and register with the donor bank. But um, I, I can only believe that it's, it's a heart of compassion, uh, you know, an inspiration they have to, to give back, you know. I don't think they're takers who do that. I think they're givers. Uh, and I'm just totally blessed by, by what you've done. 
And if it, it, they picked a male, but he, he was discounted for a health issue, so she was next in line. <clears throat> and the, the uh, incidence of this Grant versus host disease is more prevalent with opposite sex donors than it is with same sex donors. So that's why I have a little, a little stuff going on. Um, but again, it's, it's worth a second shot of life. It's, you know, well, what I knew from the beginning was, please God, I, I love the life you've given me. I love my wife. I, I love the days you give and, and what I see you do in them. And, uh, you know, not my will, but that will be done. But let me get beyond this. And he did. I mean, I'm 100% leukemia-free, 100% donor cells. Okay. Um, is it easier for you to get in touch with your feminine side now? <laughs> I don't know. I got some 20 year stuff, so <laughs> I'm rejuvenating in a sense. Yeah, that's that's the way I'm looking at that. We wanted to. I don't think she wanted to connect, and some people want to stay anonymous. Um, we put in the request. There was paperwork. It had to go to her. Uh, then come back to us, and I don't think she responded. You know, um, and that's her prerogative. I, you know, I I pray for her. I thank God for her. Um, we both have, yeah. Yeah, um, so now about one and a half years after transplant, I'm challenged with some of this red versus host. Mouth sores, minor rash, grass versus high, grass versus host, eye irritation. Um, shortness of breath was a new one. Um, I did get pneumonia. My sister-in-law was in Hearthstone and Kathy was visiting and her sister was visiting. And they got like an upper respiratory thing that was ripping through Hearthstone. Um, of course, with my down immune system, I got pneumonia. So I was another three and a half days in, in the hospital. And they were so crowded. Um, and my sister-in-law got released from Hearthstone at the same time and landed in the, in the, the, the curtain room, the, the, the waiting areas in the ER, in, in the core. Uh, she landed right next door to me, and they had to ship her to Ashland, it was so crowded. There were gurneys in the hallway. I got in a non-window, like a cell, in the back of the ER, slept on a gurney for two nights, got a room the third day, they discharged me at noon the next day, um, and put me on antibiotic. That's when I got on the oxygen, because they did the log test, and I was, I was low. But that's, that's a result of the Grant versus host disease. Um, they call it bronchiolitis obliteron, and it's just my lung capacity went from 100% pre-transplant to 49%. Um, so if you would pray, as, as I do, that God would restore my breath, that would be a great thing. I'd love to get off oxygen. I'm tripping all over the line at home, <laughs> dragging this tank around. Um, but uh, I'm here. I'm here. And so is he. In our midst, when one or more are gathered, he's right here. So my prayer is that uh, some faith is, is is strengthened, that you guys are encouraged um, for for what I tell you that he's done for me, and uh, 
my prayers for any of you who suffered for cancer or pain or diagnosis you didn't expect that you would trust him for where he would take you through it. And God bless each and every one of you. Tom, I'm glad to be here. Tom, could you tell us just briefly how this changed your relationship with the Lord? Oh, boy. Well, you know, a side note, um, I, and I, I don't contradict myself a lot, but I do. I, uh, I said, I'm not going to ask why. And time went by, and then some of these grab versus hosts started bearing down on me, and I said, I said, God, why? And he said, because I want, I want you to talk about me more. And I said, how could I not for what I've seen you do? So I haven't stopped, and I won't. Good job. That's good. Very good. Very nice. Thank you. I bought a copy. I don't know if they were circulated at all. The first announcements, first service in the church. Oh, yeah. This is, if any of you want to see this, this is the first bulletin of the Butte Creek Baptist Church. First service dated, uh, let's see if it does have a date on it. Uh, November 5th, 1995. Okay. And let's just. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all. It's got a little church calendar on it here. And, and uh, let's see if there's a scripture here that they used. Um, yeah, and then uh, let's see, nobody, so the people that were listed as church elders, um, every single one of them except Tony Gerardo is, I believe, gone on to be with the Lord, and I was fortunate enough to know all these people. Um, of course, I was only two years old. <laughs> I, I need to remember where we are, don't I? So, yeah. Did you want to say something? Yeah, I was, I was here. I just treat this talk more people. Oh, listen to you. What did you want to say? Come on, you work, dog. Like you said, you didn't, you didn't ask why. Mine started. July 3rd, 21, and uh, went in the waiting room, waited for about know, three or four hours, and, and then finally took me back into the hallway on a gurney and a Sunday in the emergency room, and uh, and they were so busy with the so-called COVID thing, and then uh, they had to rush me for surgery for my appendix rupture, and had a 29 millimeter tumor in it. Wow. What?
he's going into surgery now. And she goes, well, doctor, we can't. The hospital won't let us. He says, I don't care what the hospital says. He's going in now. And thank the Lord for sending Dr. Street to us. Yes. I mean, he did an awesome job, took him right in. And after two, three hours, he came and found me and uh, told me that uh, he goes, it is cancer. He says, I got all the, all the cancer out that I could. He says, but the type of cancer, it's, the cells are in this goo-like substance. He says, and I think I got all the glue out. He says, I tried to get every bit of it that I could find out. He says, but he will have to go through another surgery. And uh, so they wheeled him out, and they actually brought me a bit to stay in and with him that night, and we got to go home the next day. Wow, Yes. Uh, and uh, what was it, about four months later, you find out? No, it's like two months later. I had a second surgery before I could start before I start chemo, you know, so that uh, oncologist, Dr. Sarah, excuse me. And um, even we had to go to Portland too, because they wanted, they had this new type of uh, experimental treatment they wanted to maybe do, where they they just put this new uh, medicine in and kind of wash the whole stomach out to kill them. They were worried about the microcells, they called them, the microcells that could develop more cancer. So that got put off because it was too long and I had the surgery with Dr. Street the second one. They put out part of my intestine and uh, part of my colon to get everything. And then I got to start, like it was two weeks later, I started chemo with Sarah McCarr. She just, I mean, that lady, you go in there and you explains every little thing what's going to happen to She's you, great. what's not going to happen, what to expect. And, yeah. Uh, she called you a miracle. <laughs> yeah. Him too. Man. Him too. Is you know, like I said, I didn't ask him why. Yeah. I just went outside and had a one-on-one -on -one talk with him. Yeah. And I just told him whatever's going to happen is happening in your hands, you know. And I got to celebrate another birthday last month, so that's awesome. around chemo. How many? Twelve. Yikes. I don't know if yours calls yours. Uh, man, was, I go in for the day. You know how it is. They got everything hooked up there, too. Oh, yeah. You got all kinds of stuff running into your port. And uh, then they sent me home with my friend, I called it. Like a baseball, 350 milliliters of uh, more cancer medicine, just, just a super strong one that ran into my port. And then they hand me a, the first time they hand me a hazmat suit. I go, What's this for? She goes, Well, in case it starts leaking, your wife needs to wear it to clean her up. I go, Oh, we're really mess her up. I go, and I'm thinking, You're putting that in my body? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But numbness, right off of that. Numbness, tingling, cold, my lips were numb, my feet, my feet are still numb in my hands. But the cold and the heat. I stroke, I have neuropathy in both Yeah, yeah, I take medicine. Yeah. You take a lion's mane? I'm sorry? Lion's mane, it's a mushroom that helps with the, the neuropathy. Did you, get the, did you get the tingling? Yeah, I lost, lost a lot of muscle mass on the back and of the truck. I still have my, my belly a little bit, but a lot of my weight. I lost 75 pounds. Yeah. I, I did a lot of much. I lost about 30, 35 yeah. muscles. 
But like you said, you know what kind of sprout spouse you have when uh, you go through that because I didn't want to eat. You, I didn't have energy. Oh, I couldn't taste yeah. food. Yeah. It was hard to even get up out of bed to go to the bathroom. He didn't have a choice to eat. But it she, was either you eat it or I'm going to feed it to you. She <laughs> <laughs> would. I, I, there was a while where I yeah, you know, nausea. I do want to say for the transplant, so it was uh, beyond the, the regular infusions, the, the rounds I did an infusion of chemo. For the transplant, they prep you for three days with chemo, chemo, chemo. The fourth yeah. day, they give you the whopper, and your immune system is gone. You have oh, yeah, nothing. that's what she wanted me to do. So you're open for all the platelets that come in. Yeah, the immune system. But yeah. So the fifth day was I scan every three months, and uh, I've had them like, it's been, I've been through about 15 months now, but yeah. I have labs next month, but I don't have to get a scan anymore. And you talk yeah. about financial worry, like you say, you know. Yeah. Just a scan is six grand. Oh, just wow. a scan is six thousand dollars. You know. <laughs> well, they talked to me about the transplant. They said they're worried, they're worried about the pill. You just got a half million dollar procedure. Yeah. yeah. It was more than that when I saw the insurance mm -hmm. payout. But I, uh, you know, I didn't ask the Lord why until after uh, I heard from my brother I just lost recently. Uh, Pancreatic cancer. He's two years older. No, he lost him about a month and a half ago, and it's just that's a three months. He was he was he was gone. It took him fast. Wow. But he knew the Lord. I made sure he knew the Lord again. And, uh, mm. They said, change your whole aspect on how you look on life. She goes, my wife goes, she's not. He's not done with you. I go, what's he going to do? So <laughs> you know, I asked him. What's he going to do? Talking about me more. Yeah. And, and pay attention more to people that you see that you get that feeling like you should talk to them. You should talk to them. And I got these, I bought 200 of these uh, tracks that I really love. Uh, nice. And uh, explains everything. I talk to people and I hand them to them. And only he knows it makes a difference. But I, I try to do more of this work. But, you know, it's a blessing. Change your own, but you're not. I don't know about you, but I'm not scared to go home. No, uh, yeah, we, we know, know where we're going. Yeah, yeah we, we know where we're going. The streets are not worried about nothing. You know, and, and one of the things for me was um, I, I thought it, it's the little things. It's, yeah. it's fresh air, a good meal, a good friend. Taste the food again. The beautiful days you have, you know, the, the seasons are changing. I'm grateful, and I'm grateful yeah. for a whole lot more. And you smell, and go to the restroom normally. I can hear a bird. I can eat ice cream without free. Without my tongue just hurting so bad from the cold. <laughs> they the little things. Little things, yeah. yeah. Well, what he didn't tell you was uh, how we came to know the Lord. Uh, it was. Uh, yeah, it was back in 1989. We didn't come to the Lord until we were in our, in our 30s. And uh, he had gone next door to our neighbors and came home with a Bible. We didn't even have a Bible in the house. I mean, I was, I was so bad. And Tom and Judy Savage were just godsend. They really were. They were just the most loving people. It always takes a good Christian. And uh, so he comes home with the Bible. And I look at him and I go, 
what's that? He goes, what's the Bible? I says, well, yeah. I says, what are you, what are you going to do with it? He goes, well, you're going to read it. I says, I'm going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, yeah. I go, the whole thing? <laughs> he goes, no, just the last part. Oh, the book of Revelation. So I did. I started reading. He goes, no, no, read it out loud. <laughs> So I sat up that night with him, and we read. I read the entire book that night. Of Revelation. Of Revelation. And then he starts asking me questions about it. Okay. I was one of these people. I had never stepped foot in the church. And I thought that if I ever stepped foot in the church, it would blow up. I mean, in my life, I was that bad. I'm not kidding. I was really bad. So when people come up to me and say, well, I'm, you know, I'm so bad, I, you know, God won't. Forgive me. I says, you know what? Yeah. I says, let me tell you something. If he can forgive this sinner, you ain't got no words. <laughs> He'll forgive you in a heartbeat. I says, his love is unlimited. I says, and so anyways, I tell him, I says, well, let's just wait and talk to Tom and Judy tomorrow. So we go over to the house the next night, and we're sitting there talking, and he's asking all kinds of questions, because he was still mad at God for taking his mom. And I'm just sitting there taking all this in. And Tom goes, well, you guys ready to pray the sin of your prayer? Accept the Lord as your Savior? I go, yeah, I am. And Stan puts his hand on me. He goes, no, not yet. <laughs> I go, no, not yet. I got a few more questions. So he asks his questions, and we accept the Lord that night. Well, when we did, I mean, I got this warmth that started in my toes. And it worked its way all the way up me and out the top of my head. And I mean, I, could, I still get goosebumps. And, uh, and I knew I was a totally changed person. I mean, I went home. The next day I got up, it was Easter Sunday. I threw away my drugs. I threw away my cigarettes. I threw away my booze. I mean, I threw away everything. I didn't, even, I didn't even cuss That's from then on. I mean, I prayed to God and I threw away all that stuff. I didn't want any more cigarettes. I didn't want nothing. You know, it's so funny you said revelations because for me, I was on an ammonia bed in New Jersey, probably about 103 degree fever. And uh, I was reading revelations. And everybody should read uh, often Revelations 5, 2 through 14 because where John is weeping and nobody's worthy to take the scroll. What are we going to do? But the Lamb who appeared to have been slain stands in the middle of the throne and takes the, the scroll from the Father mm -hmm. and starts cracking those seven seals. And I said, he's coming back to take this all back and I want to come with him. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That was it for me. Well, I found out a few days later from Judy that uh, Tom had been praying for Stan in his men's Bible study, and Judy had been praying for me with her ladies. And Tom told her, well, this is how bad it was. It shows you how bad it was. Okay. Tom told her that Stan will be ready to accept the Lord way, way before I ever <laughs> You know, and for him to have stopped and said, no, not yet to me, just proved to be. So I had to go over to Tom <laughs> and tell him, so, <laughs> the Lord proved you wrong again, didn't he? <laughs> but that's how we became Christians, and that's the first time I ever started singing was at that, at that church. I'd never sang anything for anybody wow. before. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much. You know, just listening to all this, 
I mean, we really should be more thankful than what we are, don't you think? I mean, think about it for just a minute. You know, we've got, most of us have decent health, okay? We have food in the refrigerator. We don't live in a cave, although you haven't seen my house. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, we've got so much to be thankful for. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life for each one of us. And if we would have been the only one that would have ever accepted his provision of salvation, he would have died for, for just one person. Yes. And that's pretty amazing. That's a lot of love, isn't it? The Bible says that even when we were his enemies, Christ Jesus died for us. And uh, that was pretty neat. Who's got a, a thank you? Yes, Tom. Yeah, I just wanted to say with, with the complexity of the blood and the labs, I've seen, you know, they, they can test for so many specifics, but when they just run a CBC, it's your white cells, red cells, eosinophils, basophils, uh, neutrophils. It goes on and on. And then they can run the uh, CMC, which tells you what your nutrient levels are, glucose, sodium, all that stuff, potassium, magnesium. Uh, that's not to mention the test for specific disease and all that stuff. But how precious is the blood? And it, it really made me understand how Christ had shed every drop of that liquid platinum to, to the last drop of water because it's so precious. Yes. So you can imagine what his blood was. Uh, Mine's muddy water compared to. Yeah. Yeah. He did it willingly. Yes. Which is amazing. So, yes. I just want to say that during all the time I've lived with pain, pretty severe pain, for quite a few years now, a lot of abdominal surgeries. And Satan knows when you're down. Yeah. And Satan really tries to grab a hold of you when you're down. And I felt unworthy of my family. I felt I felt sorry for sorrier for lucky than I did myself, or felt worse about him going through it all. But God brought him into my life for a reason, and it was during the time that I was at my lowest when the Lord just gently told me that. There's a reason for everything. This life is but a vapor, and whatever you go through here, in the long run, it will be worth it all. Amen. And so I have, I have to keep depending on that. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Who else would like to give us a, a good word? Don't make me do it. <laughs>
really young when I was eight years old in Moana's. Um, and even though I accepted the Lord, I still had my I had my struggles, I had my difficulties, I had my curiosities, and and I know that my mom has struggled with depression for years, um, and that's kind of something that's run in the family a lot, and I know I've dealt with depression off and on. Um, and it was hard to admit it to myself for a long time. I struggled with ADHD, or, well, it's high-functioning, but still, I struggled with ADHD and autism for years. And, uh, uh, you know, I kind of, like, beat myself up a lot and shamed, my, shamed myself because of a lot of the struggles that came with it that I really didn't, I really kind of denied it for a long time didn't want to admit it to myself. Because um, it's just like, uh, growing up in an environment where it's just kind of, that thing you don't want to be that kind of person, and it just feels kind of shameful. And, uh, and, and I kind of like did my explorations. I've gotten in trouble the lot before, uh, you know, hanging around with wrong friends, um, and really just doing what they wanted to do, uh, so I could hang out with them and I have friends. And so I got in a lot of trouble on that side, and then I um, had my exploration with uh, reviews and alcohol and sex, and, and it's just, I felt like I've had a tapered past, um, just because I've, just because of my curiosity and everything else, just making a lot of mistakes. And so I lived with that for five years and then I tried to recommit myself to get straight on the path and and I was rebaptized when I was eighteen. Um not sorry, not rebaptized actually that was the first time I was baptized. But anyways, um uh I've still struggled with depression and stuff, uh, but um, I can actually remember sometimes. I don't know everybody's experiences with it, but I know that when I was dealing with alcohol and everything, um, I always felt like something was pulling me one way or the other. And I've always had this real sense of, like, uh, well, 
angelic presences and demonic presences. And it's, I guess that's a lot why people call, call refer to alcohol as spirits, because a lot, it does help you kind of, it does really kind of take you there when you have that experience. And, and the most kind of essence that I've realized I had depression was when I was using alcohol and it did bring me to a great place. Um, so what, what changed, you know, recently, what changed in your life? <coughs> One thing was I just
say going through my divorce was one of the hardest things I've gone through. But it's one of the things that I can tell you it, it's brought me to completely surrender to God. Mm. Mm. More than I've ever been. And because of it, I've experienced I think the greatest joy I've felt mm-hmm. in a long time. So that is Andrew, and I think before we leave tonight, I'd like to pray for Tom, Andrew, and Stan. And is there anybody else here? You don't tell tell me what you want prayed for, but if you raise your hands, uh, and just okay, Jimmy. And then, uh, yeah. You're gonna do what now? Take your sauces. So I guess out this Thursday. Wednesday. Or Wednesday. Okay. Important. Okay. Is that where you have the cancer, Jim? Okay. All right. Anybody else? Uh, Rodney Grudevald is in the hospital in Minnesota. North Dakota. North Dakota. <laughs> Well, he's in the hospital in the United States. So. Okay. Wow. Yeah, kidney stones. Okay, yes. Okay. All right, Teresa. Uh-huh. Anybody else? Yeah, okay. Nancy? Well, Father in heaven, we come before you tonight. We want to thank you so much for these testimonies of your grace. And truly, it is of your grace, Lord God, that we can live, breathe, and look forward to the future in heaven, Lord. 
The hope of heaven is probably the most wonderful hope that we could have to know that we're going to be with Jesus Christ, our Savior, face to face, and that we will live in a universe that is free from pain and suffering and sin. And Father, we know that so much of this is, is caused by the sin that's inside of us and inside the world. So Father, we want to hold up every single person in this auditorium tonight, that you work in our hearts, and that you convict us of our sins, that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us to you, give us a hunger for your word. Please assign powerful guardian angels to our families, our children, our, our uh, parents, if they're still alive, Lord. And we just want to thank you for that. We hold up Andrew to you. We just thank you for his testimony. We pray that you'll continue to bless him and soften his heart and uh, that you'll bless his relationship with his children and that indeed, Lord, you will find that, that place for him to serve you for we know that there's a place for each one of us. And we hold up Tom and, and his, uh, his ongoing uh, recovery, Lord. We just pray that you will uh, do whatever needs to be done in his body. Uh, to to heal him and have him have energy again and purpose and we just thank you for the for the uh, tremendous support that his wife has given him and uh, we thank you for we just pray that you will help him and his family Lord God each one of them to know you and to serve you we do hold up uh, Teresa and her family and you know exactly what it is that she needs and she is praying for Lord and we pray that you'll bless them bless her little granddaughter Gracie and grandson and daughter Jan Lord and we know that uh, there's a lot of work that you have done and more work that you will do there we thank you for Stan and for Perny and for their salvation father and it just goes to show you Lord that none of us are beyond saving and we thank you for that Lord we we apologize, Father, for taking your salvation for granted. It is indeed the most incredible and expensive gift that could ever be given to any human being on the face of the earth. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, thinking up this wonderful plan of grace, which does not include our works. It, it's only the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that counts. And Father, we just uh, hold up uh, Nancy to you Lord and her family and we pray that you'll bless them and, and be with them the, the entire family Lord including Dick and his leukemia uh, uh, situation and Father we take this minute of silent prayer Lord just to offer our thanks our, our prayers our petitions just Anything that we want to say to you, Lord, we take this minute of silence to do that. Lord, we thank you for the successful marriages that we have here. And we thank you for the salvation that you've given to each one. We thank you for our families, Lord. We pray that you'll save our families. 
And Father, we just want to thank you for this little church that you've allowed us to be in and be a part of. And we just pray that you will bless the, the music, the musicians, the teachers, the teachers, and the teaching, and the students. And that, Lord, you might be glorified in this community because of the people in this church. And we just thank you for that. We pray for all of the churches, Lord, all of the pastors and teachers that are teaching your word by means of your spirit. Lord God, you bring your Christian people back to church. And that, Lord, you'd spread your gospel among the non-believers, that they might uh, avoid the tribulation that's coming, Lord, upon this world. And Father, we also want to thank you and praise you for uh, allowing us to live in this country. It's not perfect, Father, but it, it's better than a lot of other countries. And we just pray for all of our elected officials and for those in power, Lord, that you would convict them of their sins and that, Lord, you would give them a heart to lead according to your principles, your divine establishment principles. Father, please, just start a great revival among your people in this country. And Lord, for those Christians in this country that are lazy, that are not supporting your causes, that are not uh, uh, doing your will, we just ask that, Lord God, you would encourage them and help them to, to come out of that slumber and to, to do what they're supposed to do according to your word. And Lord God, we give you all the glory and all the praise for each one of our each one of our thanks, each one of our salvations, each one of our our health. And we do that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Alright, my friends, uh, in case you didn't know, we are studying the book of Revelation. Okay. And on Sunday morning. And uh, we did half of chapter one. We're going to do the second half of chapter one this next Sunday, God willing. We didn't come back on Saturday. And I just want to give you previews of coming attractions, okay? In chapter two and chapter three, we're going to be studying about God's letters to the seven churches. In chapter four, we'll be studying about the throne room of God in heaven, which is an amazing study. And then in uh, chapter 5, the Lamb takes the scroll. In chapter 6, we've got the, the, uh, the seals, the seven seals. And then we go on from there to the judgments. And there's, there's going to be so many good studies off of this. So I hope you can make it. Invite your friends. Because it'll be, um, if nothing else, we'll scare them into them. Okay? <laughs> yes. Uh, Purdy wants to say one verse of a hymn before we go, so yes, you may. Just one verse. Just one verse. Do you need a microphone? Probably not, huh? <laughs> Silly me. I serve a risen Savior, it's in the world today. I know that He is living, no matter what they say. I feel His hand of mercy, I see His loving face. Walks with me and talks with me on what's narrow.